Amen. Remain standing now as we read these words together from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Will you read these words with me? Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we are talking about anger this morning. We are in a uh, sermon series called A Matter of Life and Death. As we look at those passions of our lives, um, those things that aren't necessarily the good traits of us, but are kind of the default, right? If we were to enter into a situation we weren't really cognizant of, we weren't really thinking, we weren't really present in that moment, we would be left to these kind of passions, these, these vices, these things like pride and anger. And, and lust and envy and, and greed and, and all these different kinds of things. And so we're talking about, you know, these kind of vices that we have and, and the virtues that counteract them and how we can really choose life instead of death. Um, if you have your sermon notes with you, uh, they're in your bulletin, and, and, and I hope that God speaks to you this morning, and, and I hope that you're able to write something down and, and, and pray over this and take it home with you and actually consider it, and that it might actually stick with us. Um, last week, we talked a little bit about the first humans that God created, and, and God placed them in the garden and, and told them that they could eat of any uh, fruit of any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, what do the first humans do but eat of that fruit? And what we learned last week is this, that, that just as the first humans had a choice between two trees, between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, um, we have a choice between life and death. And, and really, most of our choices of life and death are not these kind of grand choices. They're not these really big moments, you know, that lead up to a really big climax. They're, it's not really those kind of moments. It's in the small things. It's in the everyday bits of life that we choose either life or death. And, and we've been learning uh, for the last couple of weeks that our passions are those things that lead to death. The, those, you know, those, those vices of ours are the things that lead to death. And these virtues are the things that actually lead to life. And, and this week, I think we're talking about something that we can all really relate to. We're talking about that passion of anger, right? That passion of anger, that thing that comes out of us when we're not necessarily proud of it, you know, and, and the thing that comes out when we're really not thinking, when we're really not present in the moment, and then all of a sudden we find out that, that we are angry and we don't even know why, right? Um, most of the time, this is the reason why. Uh, we get angry when we have not gotten our way when we've wanted it, right? It, it's not enough that we just haven't gotten our way, um, but we have to get it at the right time, you know, we get really angry when we didn't get that promotion when we wanted it, you know, when we thought we deserved it. Uh, we got really angry, you know, whenever our spouse, you know, didn't take up the trash when we wanted them to. You know, we get really angry when we don't get our way, especially when we don't get it at the time we wanted it. And we get, we get angry with all sorts of things, right? Um, we can get angry with our environment, and we want our environment to conform to our expectations, 
You know, like we, we want our environment to conform to our expectations. You know, many of us woke up this morning and were mad at the environment. For some reason, society has lost an hour of sleep this morning, right? Like, like they just said that like today is the magical day that somehow all the clocks, you know, that the earth, it did, you know, we were, we were angry, you know, and, and we can get mad because it was raining. You know, we can get mad because the sun was shining. We get, we get mad at the environment for all sorts of reasons because it didn't conform to our expectations, and most of the time, we won't vocalize it like that, right? Most of the time, we won't say, you know, somebody say, why are you mad? Well, you know, the sun's shining. You know, like, we won't say that. But, but that's what's happening on the inside of us, right? That's what's happening inside. But it doesn't just happen with our environment. It happens with people, too, right? Um, we want people to conform to our, many times, unvocalized expectations, right? We, we get mad because somebody has not done something that we never told them we wanted them to do right? You ever, you ever kind of been in that situation, you know, when, when you were mad at somebody and, and, and then they, you know, well, why are you mad? Well, because I wanted you to do this. Well, did you say anything about, you know, me, you wanted me to do this? Well, no, but you should have just known it, you know? Like, like we, we get mad because we want people to conform to our expectations, and most of the time we don't even vocalize those expectations. You know, we, we have a lot of wants, and, and whenever these wants, these expectations, whenever other people or other things don't conform to those expectations, we get, we get really angry, and it comes out in different ways, right? These are kind of these like manifestations of anger. You say, well, like, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not a very angry person. Well, most of the time we have some of these traits that are associated with anger, like resentment. You know, th- this idea that, that, that somebody has something that we don't and we are mad at them for it. You know, they should have known that I wanted that thing. You know, how could they buy that boat? How could they buy that lake house? How could they go on that trip or that vacation? You know, I resent that. I'm mad at them for doing that thing that's good for them but not, is, is not good for me, Right? Um, cynicism, you know, cynicism, this is something that that applies to a lot of us, right? Um, instead of actually talking about our feelings, we could make a sarcastic remark so that we can feel like we've talked about our feelings, but not actually appropriately vocalized our feelings. None of you have ever done this, I'm sure. But you know, like, like this is, this cynicism happens because we are angry, right? Or annoyance, the kind of eye roll, you know, that, that shows that we are angry. Retaliation. Not only am I mad, but I'm going to do something to make them mad too, right? Like it's not enough that, that we are angry. We have to make someone else angry. You know, and retaliation many times is like this kind of one act thing or we can, like, we can go down the stair step into vengeance. You know, now we have committed a work to making these people mad. It, it's not enough just to make them mad once. It, you know, I'm going to make this whole people mad. All of these, you know, like, like we are going to, we are going to get out and get them. You know, like those, you know, that company, that company let me go. They, they fired me. And that's so I'm going to get back at that entire company at all those people, you know, or, or, or you know, like th- this, this restaurant, you know, didn't serve me at the time I wanted to be served. And so, you know, I'm going to get back at this entire restaurant. I'm going to go back and write them a bad review on Yelp. You know, like I'm going to do this. We're going to, we're going to get back at them. This anger comes out in all different sorts of ways and in all different times. And so I want us to think about those times that we are angry. You know, I am angriest when. That, that's for you to fill in that blank. Just what is that moment in you and in, in, in your life? When are you angriest? Maybe it's, maybe it's even in your own home. You know, when, whenever, you know, all the kids are yelling and your spouse is trying to talk to you and the, and the TV, you know, is up at like, you know, volume like 50, you know, and, and, and just so much noise filling the house and, 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 and you get angry. Or, or maybe it's at your work. You know, somebody didn't meet your expectations. Somebody didn't turn that thing in on time. Somebody um, didn't do what you thought they should have done. And, or, or maybe somebody has unfair expectations of you and, and, and you, get, you get angry. 
Uh, maybe it's when you're alone, maybe it's in the car, wh- whatever it is. Where is that moment? What is that time that you become the most impatient person and, and actually become angry with other people because they didn't conform to your expectations or other parts of the environment because it didn't conform to your expectations? Um, some of the times that I am most impatient um, is when I am watching someone else use a computer. Um, my, so um, I consider myself kind of like a, a, a pro user. I love shortcuts on a computer. I love finding out the most efficient way to use a computer. I, I, I really enjoy it. And, um, but it's hard whenever I'm at home, you know, and it's like 11 o'clock at night, and, and Melissa and I are kind of lounging, and Melissa's doing something on the computer, and she says, hey, can you show me how to do this thing on the computer? Well, I can, I can do it really quickly, but she wants me to tell her how to do it and then look over her shoulder as she does it. Has anybody else ever been like, just, no, no, that's too slow. Why are you, no, oh my gosh, yes. It is, it is so frustrating. I am so impatient while I'm watching this and, and I'm just getting angrier and angrier as this happens. And, and, you know, like my blood is boiling and I'm just, let me do it, you know? And like, I just like get in there and do it. And then of course, like the relationship is blown up. You know, now she's mad because I, you know, just kind of was rude about it and all these things. We get impatient. We lose our patience, and when we lose our patience, we get angry. And many times it happens with people who are closer to us, that we can be angriest with those closest to us, right? We get angry with our spouse. We get angry with our children. We get angry with our family, angry with our coworkers. It happens um, sometimes to strangers, but even then, you know, they're just passing through, and, and we really don't really stay mad at them. But those people that we are in relationship with, in close relationship with, those are the people that can, we can really get angry with. Um, uh, Friar Joseph Honeycutt, um, who wrote the book Defeating Sin, upon which we're partly basing this sermon series, he says this about uh, being angry with people closest to you. He says, it's only natural that you step on the toes of those with whom you are dancing. I think that's a good way to put it, right? And, and so, you know, we shouldn't really be disappointed that we have these strong emotions with people who are close to us, and we should learn how to be more patient with them and, and learn how to put that anger aside. But this is something that happens to everyone. This is something that happens to everyone. And and, and we can get angry, especially with those closest to us. And here's the thing, that, that, that when we get angry with them, we expend a great amount of energy, right? We expend a great amount of energy in order to stay angry, you know? You ever been, like, midway through a conversation with somebody and then remembered that you're mad at them? Yeah, you've done that, right? Like, like we've been, like, halfway through a conversation and then been like, oh, yeah, I'm mad. Okay, start, start, the, you know, start the arm cross. Okay, yeah, I'll show them I'm mad you know, and then, okay, say something smart, snarky, yeah, you know, okay, now, now, now just look away, you know, like at random points in the conversation, you know, like we're trying to snub them like midway through the conversation when the first part of the conversation was going great, and, but, but it takes a lot of energy in order to stay mad at someone, it takes a lot of energy, and it takes actually a lot more energy to, to stay mad at someone than it does take to use the virtue of patience, that if, and if we use this virtue of patience, it'll actually lead to life, It'll actually lead to good things in our life, and we'll actually be happier, better people if we use this virtue, if we use this virtue. This idea of patience is throughout the Bible, and one of the places I think is so beautiful is in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we read this, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. The Lord will fight for you, you have only to keep still. I love this passage. I think it's really beautiful. And, and this comes at a certain point in the book of Exodus. You see that the Hebrew people have been liberated um, from slavery in Egypt. And for those of you who remember the story, you know, they've been slaves in Egypt for 300 years. And, and, and they made bricks. That's what they did as a people for hundreds of years. 
and, and they cry out to God. God hears their cry and sends Moses to liberate them, right? Brings them out of the hands of Pharaoh, and he's leading them to a promised land. But before they get there, they are in the wilderness, and, and, and they are trying to get to this um, place. They're trying to get to the promised land. Before they can get there, they have to cross the Red Sea, right? The, the Red Sea, this great chasm between them and freedom, and, and what lies behind them is now the oppression of Pharaoh, and, and Pharaoh changes his mind. First, he lets the Hebrews go. He says, fine, Moses, you take them. Get them out of here. And so they do. They, they start to leave, and they're on their way to freedom, and they stop at the Red Sea, and then they don't know where to go now, and they turn around, they realize Pharaoh has changed his mind, and now he has sent 600 chariots after the Hebrew people. He, he has sent six, they are going to slaughter all of these Hebrews uh, right there before the Red Sea. And, and the people are, are upset. They are angry at this situation. They are angry with Moses. They turn back to Moses and, and they say, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? They're angry. They're upset because this did not meet their expectations. They were told they were going to have freedom. And, and here they are between the sea and 600 chariots. And in that moment, Moses says these words. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to keep still. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. That what if what God needed to create a miracle in your life was your patience? Didn't need you to act. Didn't need you to go do this grand thing. God just wants you to be patient and wait on his timing and wait on his action. And, and the story of Exodus is, is the story of, of a group of people who have plenty of things to be angry at right? Um, the wilderness that they're walking into is literally an uncontrollable environment, right? That, that's why it's wilderness and not like tameness or like whatever the opposite of wilderness. It's, it's, it's wild, right? It's uncontrollable. It's an uncontrollable environment. Plenty of things to be angry at, things that are not conforming to their expectations. And, and the, the Israelites themselves are an uncontrollable people. God calls them stiff-necked. He says, you know, you can't steer them. You can't control them. You can't tell them where to go. They are stiff-necked people. The word Israel literally means struggle. In Hebrew, the word Israel means struggle. They are people who struggle with God constantly. That if anybody has a reason to be angry, it's God who has to struggle with these Hebrew people who will continually go and do the wrong thing. But God is patient with them. Not only does God ask for our patience, but God is patient with us. And the story of Exodus, the story of the Hebrew people, is a story of God waiting. It's a story of God exhibiting the patience that he wants us to have. And the good news is, is that we have help. That, that God not only asks for our patience, but he gives us power in order to have this kind of patience in our life. That he sends us the Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit in our life, we actually have the ability to be more patient. And we read about this, right? In, in Galatians 5, we call it the fruit of the Spirit. It says, Paul says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? Then when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we actually have an ability to do these things. Right? It, it's not that we do these things so that we can earn God's love or affection. That, that, that's not it. But what we do believe is that when we invite Jesus into our life, whenever the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we actually do these things. It bears fruit in our lives. It happens naturally to people who have the Holy Spirit in their lives. Right? That Christians are people who are loving and joy-filled. Christians are people who are loving and joy-filled. I hope that's not the first time we, we realize that, right? Like, Christians are people, when the Holy Spirit dwells within them, they are kind. They are kind. They are generous. They're faithful. They're gentle. They are able to control themselves. And they're patient. They're patient people. Not because they can do it on their own. But because God has given them the power of the Holy Spirit to do that very thing. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice being patient, okay? And, and it's going to take practice. We're not going to do it right the first time. We're going to fail a lot. And, and, and the good news about the Holy Spirit and the good news about Jesus Christ is that God for, will forgive us. And God will empower us to be better tomorrow than we are today, okay? And so we're going to practice this together. And, and here are like a few steps on, on how to do this, on how to be patient, okay? And, and the first step is this. Don't speak. All right. When, when you get angry, when you get when you feel that that vice well up in you, when you feel like you, you're you're getting mad and your blood is boiling, don't say anything. Um, uh, uh, Paul remember says this: that let no evil talk come from your mouths. And when we get angry, that's what's going to come out, right? Because there are some situations in our lives where it'd be better if we didn't say anything than if we were to say something, right? You've been in the situations where you know you look back and you realize it was it would have been better if I had not said anything at all than had I said something. Uh, I I had a situation like this, uh, actually. um, You know, this week I've I've been battling some congestion, so I've been, you know, trying to take medicine regularly, and and it was uh, on uh, in the morning when, uh, you know, the kids are kind of going crazy, and my three-year-old Elijah is kind of following me around just, like, crying in every room, you know, and, and, I, and I'm trying to, like, you know, get ready in the morning, and, and Anna, my five-year-old's trying to get my attention, so she's talking to me, and, and they all follow me into the bathroom, and I have to get into my medicine cabinet, um, and it looks like this, and we have lovely rose wallpaper, and, and I, was, I was getting into my cabinet, and, and, and Elijah's, you know, screaming, and Anna's trying to get my attention, and I'm fumbling with the medicine, and I dropped the medicine in inside the toilet. And at that moment, I said, why does anybody keep a medicine cabinet above a toilet? You know, but that was like the situation that I, you know, and I got mad. And, and at, at that moment, I, like I said a word that none of you have ever said, but it was not like a, a, you know, the greatest word to yell out in front of your five and three-year-old. And then, of course, just silence broke out in the bathroom, right? And, and, and you know, and I had to turn around and, 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 I, and, I, and I looked at them and I had to take a breath and, and you know, I had to apologize. I said, guys, you know, I'm sorry. Um, I was upset. Uh, I should not have said that. I, I'm, I'm sorry. But in that moment, it would have been better if I didn't say anything, right? If I, you know, just dropped the medicine in the toilet and, and you know, kind of moved on. There are some situations in our life where it would be better if we didn't say anything than if we were to say something. And so in those moments when, when the anger wells up in us, don't speak. Don't, don't say anything. And instead, focus on your breathing, Take some deep breaths and, and, and really focus on those breaths. When we get mad, when we get angry, our, our body is literally going into a fight or flight. 
right? Um, and blood literally leaves our brain and goes to our vital organs so that we can, you know, fight or we can run away. And, and this is what happens in our body whenever anger wells up, whenever w- w- that anxiety starts to take hold of us. But whenever we breathe, when we take deep breaths, it, it oxidizes our, our, our blood more so that more blood can get into our brain that we can actually think better in those situations. And so the first two things are, are just to, you know, don't speak and take deep breaths. Focus on your breath. And here's those things. Here's something else. When we get really impatient, when we get really impatient, I want to encourage you to, to put your phone away. And, and, I, and I know what this sounds like, right? Like, um, there are these moments in our lives where we become impatient, and the, our first reaction is to take out our phone and act like we're doing something, when in reality, we're just, you know, like fiddling, like with nothing, right? Um, we, get, we get really impatient, and, and we use our phone to escape a lot. And here's the thing. When we do that, we're, we're not really practicing patience. That doesn't really develop patience within us whenever we use our phone. Um, mindless screen time does not make us more patient. It makes us more mindless, right? And, and this is, you know, coming from somebody who uses, like, screen time. You know, like, I, I am guilty of this as well. But whenever we do those things, when we become impatient, we use our phone, it, it's, it's not developing patience in us. It's developing escapism. It, it, it's developing retreat. It, it, this is not being engaged in the moment. And so I want to encourage you, in that next moment, when you are really impatient, try just being really present in that moment. Maybe God has something for you that he's trying to say to you, and, and, and if we're not paying attention, if every second of every day is filled with, with something blinking at us or something, you know, some kind of audio that's, that, that's bombarding our brain, we can't think, we can't hear what God is trying to tell us. So in those moments when, when we become really impatient, I want to encourage us to just leave our phone where it is. And in those moments when we get really angry, really angry, especially with other people, I want to encourage us to practice empathy. Practice empathy. There's a big difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Um, sympathy is feeling bad for someone else. Um, oh, I feel bad for you. You know, I'm, I'm, that happened to you. Empathy is imagining what it would be like to be that person, to feel that thing happening to yourself. And what we find is that when we practice empathy, it's much harder to be angry at other people. What would it be like to be them? To have the childhood they had, to have the life they have, to have the job they have, to have the responsibility they have. And when we practice this, it is a lot harder to be angry at people, right? So practice empathy. And finally, be quick to apologize and to forgive. Again, we're not going to do it right the first time. In fact, we're going to do it wrong a lot. And then we're going to speak out in anger. We're going to say something we shouldn't have said. And in those moments, I'm going to encourage us to say, I am sorry and I forgive you. I am sorry and I forgive you. Most important words in a relationship. I am sorry and I forgive you. Let's, let's practice that, okay? I am sorry and I forgive you. Um, so important. People say, I am sorry. You know, I am, I am at fault. This is what I did, and I should not have done that. I am, I am sorry. And the appropriate response to I am sorry is not, I know you are, right? It, it, it's not, yeah, you should be. Um, it, it's not, uh-huh. No, the appropriate response is, is, I forgive you. And not, I forgive you, and, and I'll bring this up tomorrow. Not, not I, I forgive you, and, and, and I'm going to talk about this to my friends later, right? I forgive you. I forgive you. I actually give you forgiveness. 
that this is what will save our relationships. And again, Paul talks about this in the letter we read. He said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's the key, right? As God in Christ has forgiven you. We are people who forgive, not because it's fun for us, not, not because we enjoy doing it, but because when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we realize what God has done for us. We realize all the sins that we have been forgiven of, right? That, that we have been forgiven of so much. And, and when we are forgiven in that way, when we realize that thing that has been done for us, we can't help but to want to do it for other people. When we know the sensation that comes from being forgiven, we can't help but to want to forgive other people. That's just what happens naturally. You may be saying, like, you know, we're talking about patience. What, is, what does patience have to do with forgiveness? And I believe this, that, that forgiveness is the purest form of patience. That God was so patient with Israel. God was so patient with us that he forgave us. And that we can become so patient. That we can become so patient that we in turn forgive other people. Jesus said this was one of the most important things that his followers did. And he explains step by step how to forgive someone. Um, Maybe you've heard this before. In Matthew 18, he says, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when when two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. And then he keeps going, right? He says, If that doesn't work, then then grab one other person, um, an an elder, somebody important, and and take them with you and help them guide you through this conversation as a kind of mediator. And and he goes through all these step-by-step processes on how to be reconciled. And he ends this teaching by saying, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, we use those words a lot, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And we use that a lot by talking about worship and, and, and saying, you know, this is what happens when, when we worship, that God is actually here, present, and that is true. But when Jesus said those words, he was talking about reconciliation. He, he was talking about conflict in relationships, and he was saying, whenever that happens, when people are reconciled, I am there among them. When people are forgiven, when someone says, I am sorry, and another person says, I forgive you, I am there. When that reconciliation happens, when that forgiveness happens, when that patience happens, I am there. I am there among them. So I'm going to encourage you, friends, to, to do this, to practice it, to practice patience. It's going to take practice. And my hope, my prayer is that we commit our entire lives to practicing it. The other thing I hope you do is that you would commit to memory James 1, 19 through 20. Commit to memory James 1, 19 through 20. Um, and it looks like this. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Will you read that with me? You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. There are so many times that, that we want to be angry. We say, you know, like, I, I've got a lot of reason to be angry. I've got, I've got a lot of things to be angry for. I, 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 you know, I know, but, but you don't know my life. You know, I've got a lot of things to be angry for, and I, I think it's going to be the thing that kills us. 
You know, I was, uh, I was reading an article the other day, and, and um, the article was titled, How to Catch a Monkey. Um, and with a title like that, how can you not help but to read it, right? Um, and, and the article explained all these different ways. Um, and, and you can use kind of like this typical cage, and you can put bait in there and everything like that, and that works really well. But there's a, there's a far cheaper, more efficient way to catch a monkey. Um, what the natives have found is that you could actually bore out a, a gourd or a coconut, and, and you put a banana inside the coconut with just a, just a small hole, and, and you put it inside the gourd of coconut, and then, and then you take that coconut, and you stake it in the ground, or you tie it around a tree, and the monkey will come, smells the banana, reaches inside the gourd or the coconut, grabs the banana, but because it's making a fist, can't pull its hand back out of the coconut. And the monkey won't let go. And we'll wait until its captors come. There are so many times that we hold on to our anger. There are so many times that we think, if I can, if I can just clinch tighter, if I can just hold on a little longer, if I, can, if I can just do this a little more, then I can make it right. Friends, I'm trying to tell us that this leads to death. Maybe, maybe God is asking you this morning to let go. Let us pray. God, I pray that you would send down your Holy Spirit upon us. God, and that when your Holy Spirit dwells within us, that things would happen in our life. That we would produce love and joy, peace, faithfulness, generosity, gentleness, kindness, self-control, and patience. And God, that, that when your Holy Spirit dwells within us, we can't help but to forgive other people because we know the sins that have been forgiven us, we can't help but to share that same kind of love, that same kind of, same kind of forgiveness for all of the people in our lives. And God, we pray that in this moment, you would help us do that very thing. God, I pray that you would bring to mind those names, those faces, those people we are called to forgive that we have been holding on to that anger for so long. We have been holding on to that anger so tightly, God. We pray that through your Holy Spirit, because of Jesus Christ, we would be able to let that go. God, we thank you for these moments to come together to worship you, to honor you, to glorify you. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived and taught us even how to pray by saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.